coming up on Pass the Secret Sauce. Real estate investing, it doesn't matter if you're going to do wholesaling or if you're going to flip houses or you're going to do giant multi-million dollar, you know, high high density, you know, apartment complexes like you're doing, like you mentioned, right? Yep. Before we yep. got on the show. Your business is not real estate, right? Our business, guys, is not real estate. It's yeah, marketing. Service. Yeah. It's yeah. marketing. Yeah. You can't do any deals unless you have leads, unless you yeah. have deeply discounted properties. But if you're getting properties at 40, 50, 60 cents on the dollar, you kind of have to be a complete dummy to lose money at that point. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't matter what your strategy is. Yeah. You're going to make money. And so if you can have a system to find and consistently find deeply discounted properties, you're going to make money. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I didn't have with Tom Kroll is a really good marketing system. He's like, oh, go, go find tax delinquent lists, go find, you know, you can buy these lists and market to them evictions. And, you know, you can get some of these public records and reach out and see if they want to sell. Welcome to the show. I'm Matt Shields. On Pass the Secret Sauce, we unscramble the life stories, skills, and secrets from the most wicked smart minds and interesting people to uncover their experience and recipes for success that will help you get an edge on your own life. My goal is to help you rein in on the chaos that life throws at us by learning from other high achievers. If you're new to the show, we have episodes with founders, CEOs, investors, and leaders. So if you like to learn and are motivated to improve your life, then kick back and listen to our guests pass their secret sauce. Today on Pass the Secret Sauce, we have Zachary Booth, who is the owner of DFD Mastery. So there are many different ways that you can invest in real estate. And Zachary has formulated a company that does very, very well for itself in the whole wholesaling space. So of course, in typical past the secret sauce fashion, we talk a little bit about Zach's upbringing and what that was like and how he got into wholesaling. But we really dove deep on, you know, some of the, the key things, the core things that he realized and, and learned as he was progressing through basically optimizing his business. Today, that business is pretty well optimized, where it runs pretty well on its own. So that has allowed Zachary to get involved in a lot of other things that he is interested in, such as coaching and leading other people and showing people how they can get involved in this business. He actually also went to, I believe he said it was Tampa, and documented an entire process where he wanted to show people that they could... Uh, go into a city, go into an area that they have absolutely no connections on and very, very quickly turn a very small amount of money into a large amount of money. I believe, if I remember correctly, the story was that he was turning $1,000 into 40000 and he ended up doing a significant amount more than that. So uh, great, great story. If you're interested in getting involved in wholesaling or even starting your own real estate business, uh, I think that Zach has some great points and great uh, advice for pretty well anyone who's who's interested in that field. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Pass the Secret Sauce. Elk steak and potatoes. <laughs> so you guys, you guys were outdoorsy, you know, back then too. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. My, um, I, I don't like saying redneck because that can have a, a negative, you know, a negative impression to some people, but 
you know, I grew up in Utah and the, and you know, the, the Rocky mountains and, um, my family, big time archery hunters. And, um, yeah, that was life. I was raised, I was raised to work hard. We always had like a side business. I didn't grow up with money at all. So I grew up from the time I was a little boy mowing lawns with my family. When I was 15, I was running a whole crew and, you know, maintaining a whole bunch of properties. And yeah, we, we spent a ton of time in the mountains. I mean, in fact, my, my mom was pregnant with me when she shot her first big game animal with a bow and arrow. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So that was kind of how I was raised, right? I was raised with a little backpack on me and they'd hike me clear up in these crazy mountains around bears and mountain lions. I remember my first bear encounter. I I couldn't have been more than six. Yeah. And there was a mom with cubs and they ran out in the trail and the mom stood up and like woofed at us and the bears, the little bears ran up the trees and we backed up real slow. And I thought I was going to get eaten for sure. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of how I was raised, man. So we ate a lot of wild venison and we had a garden growing up and it was, it was very much a, you know, blue collar, work your butt off, play as much as you can. You know, I, I'm so grateful for, for that experience and, and being raised the way I was. Yeah, for sure. It sounds beautiful. It sounds amazing. What, oh, uh, what, what did your parents do? Were they, they kind of always doing like the same types of business, like, you know, yeah yeah my dad's the opposite of me okay (laughs) so my dad is like he's major ocd he wants to do the same thing very structured like wants to have control over everything so he started a job when he was 19 he's been with the same company his entire life he's now 62 years old and he's still there wow same company the company sold three times and he has been at the same building for for all that time incredible so my dad's you know started at 19 sweeping floors basically for this company did some classes by trade, became an engineer, eventually project manager is in charge of a big account doing manufacturing stuff for a lot of the Boeing airplane parts okay. and that kind of stuff. Yep. So that's what he's always done. And then, you know, when I was teenager and to get by, you know, they had five kids. And so to get by and to pay for everything, we also had a lawn mowing business that we used all that money to play. That was our yeah. play money as a family. Yeah. So we all worked together. You know, I have two older brothers and an older sister and we all worked. I mean, that was a requirement. You know, we all played basketball. We had some extracurricular activities, but ultimately like we, we worked before school, after school, like we were, we worked, we worked the weekends that we weren't playing. I remember I was mowing lawns and rainstorms and lightning storms because we're trying to get everything done to go play. And then my mom, when I was younger, she was waiting tables. That's what she did at nights and and when she could. And, uh, you know, it was cool because my mom was gone a lot in the evening. So it forced me, you know, my dad wouldn't cook. He's, Mm -hmm. he said, I will not cook. So it forced me and my sister and some of our other siblings to learn to cook. We all got a lot of different skills. We had to clean, we had to do laundry. You know, we, we worked as a family to get everything done. So she did that. And then when I was about 11, she accidentally had my younger brother. I tell him all the time he's an accident. But during that time, she was doing nursing school with a newborn oh, wow. and, and still working as well. And she was working graveyards kind of like at a front desk, which was awesome for her because she could study. I mean, she's a hardworking, dedicated mm-hmm. lady. I mean, this lady's crazy. She's 60 years old and she's still climbing these mountains and climbing up trees. She shot a big, 
big black bear with their bow and arrow a year a year ago and i showed up to their camp you know to say hi to him because i was up up in um idaho on, mm -hmm. a, on a deer hunt and he's like they're like oh we shot a bear we need your help zach you know they're 60 they can't they can't they carry can't that look that thing. out yeah. yeah yeah they can't take care of it anymore like they you know, were so glad you're here. I was like you guys are nutcases you know but That's that was kind of yeah, that's how I was raised, you know, and she she got her nursing degree while she was had a newborn and working and was able to go through that. And then she became a flight nurse for the University of Utah, well, well renowned a hospital here in Utah. And they started doing much better financially, got a rental. But by then I was kind of on my own, you know, when I was 16 years old, my dad said, now you're a man, you pay for everything. He mm -hmm. didn't make me pay for food, housing, but everything else, my my um Drivers, you know, my driver's license insurance. If I wanted mm -hmm. to play basketball, I paid for it. If I wanted to have outdoor activities, fishing poles, fishing lures, bow yeah. and arrow, whatever I wanted, I had to pay for. You know, they always had a nice Christmas for us, and that was really fun. But, but ultimately, you know, I, I had lots of different jobs. I didn't want to work for the family business at that point. So when I was mm -hmm. 15, I started framing houses and doing finished carpentry. And I, man, I did everything. I made handcrafted cheese, worked in a wood mill. Wow did lots of different things. I went to Nova Scotia, Canada, my junior summer worked 80 hour work weeks doing landscaping and taking care of a family friend summer home. So, you know, my whole life I was raised to work and to become a man. And, and the main reason for that, you know, looking back and understanding my parents more, you know, my dad was raised in a really bad situation. So my grandfather, David, my dad's father was an alcoholic and a gambler, literally had two teeth you know, wow. very unstable situation. My dad had to ask for food from the neighbors to feed his younger siblings. So my dad, my dad wanted to change that. My dad yeah. was very strict. My dad was very hard on us, but I will be forever grateful for the work ethic and, and who yeah. he taught me to be. But yeah, man, that was, that was life growing up. There was no other choice. That's yeah, that's incredible. And, and, you know, at some point along those lines, you, you started your own window washing company, right? Yeah. So I had had all these different jobs and what happened is, is, you know, 16, he cut me off financially. I had to pay for our own basketball stuff and I'm trying to do basketball and take it serious. And I realized that I was trading time for money, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was a major issue. And that's, and that's incredible that you realized that at such an early age too. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. that's really, really good. Well, that's because of my parents, right? I can't, yeah. I, like seriously, like I look back, I'm like, Oh man, like, most people realize this crap when they're like in their mid to late twenties. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? This sucks. I want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. So, so by the time I was at that point, I had had all these different bosses. I was raised to work and I felt like I worked harder than almost all the bosses I ever had. And I'm like, yeah. this is stupid. If they can do it, I can do it. Right. Yep. So when I was 17, I, I wanted to start a window cleaning business. I went to Nova Scotia and, and worked up there for the, for the summer. And I wanted to buy a truck and get some equipment, but my dad wouldn't co-sign alone. He said, if you want a truck, you'll save up the cash. I'm like, gosh, dang it. You know, so that's why I did Nova Scotia. So I could have the money to start my business. I needed a truck. I needed the window cleaning equipment. I picked window cleaning because it was something that I could figure out that I could start and, and yeah. afford it. So yeah. when I got home, I bought my equipment, bought my truck and everything else from working those 80 hour work weeks. And I didn't know how to bid stuff. I, so I called someone in the yellow pages. You know, this is this is before smartphones. You know, smartphones yeah. came out after that. A couple of years later, was the iPhone came out. But so I, I called in the yellow pages, figured out how to bid. I was like, hey, my dad wants a bid for window cleaning. My dad was too cheap. He wouldn't pay for that crap. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 
So, but I figured out how to bid and I kind of taught myself how to wash windows and it, I got faster and faster because I knew if I could get more done with less time. And then I started yeah. hiring employees and it kind of blew up, you know, and a decade later I had been on the history channel because of it. I had millions of views on my tutorial videos that I created to train employees. It was never mm -hmm. for, you know, for the audience. It was for my, my, I never thought anybody would want to watch me wash windows. Stupid. Yeah. Right. But yeah, a lot of things happened. A lot of good things happened from the outside looking in, I was way more successful when I was right. Like I had this business, we were profitable, but I was very much paycheck to paycheck. I was, I hated the industry that I was in. I did not like working in that industry. I did not really like the employees I was working with. Right. It was, yeah. it was, I was not happy. And I felt like I was failing, you know, the, the moment that really made me think, okay, I got to change what I'm doing. was the day my son was born, you know, he's seven now, but he was born. And I was like, all right, I don't even know how I'm going to pay these medical bills. And all I could think about that whole day is stressing about money. And I was like, this is stupid. Like I'm a dad now. I have to be able to do better than this. Yeah. And uh, that's when everything changed. That's when I made that shift into real estate. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and your shift was to basically get into wholesaling, which I know that some of the, some of the guests probably know what that is, but, but why don't you explain, you know, I guess even what the catalyst was, why did you pick real estate? How did you get involved? You know, what was that first, first deal like? Yeah. So when I was uh, working, you know, I think I was probably 13 or so. I was, I was mowing lawns with my dad after school and him after work. Right. And it's late. doesn't get dark till nine in the summer, you know, so it's, it's super late and it was probably like eight o'clock and we're picking weeds and it's getting dusky. And so we're still out there working. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at these giant mansions. I said to my dad, I'm like, dad, like, why are, why are we mowing their lawn? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. What do they do for work? Like, how wealthy are they? How much do you think they're millionaires? I started asking all these questions around money. My dad's like, son, I don't know. I, don't ask me. Ask my rich friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, his name was Clint. I'm like, Clint's not rich. He drives a crappy truck. He's like, no, he's just cheap, son. He has a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. So I asked Clint. Clint told me to read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Okay. So actually, and he gave me a copy when I was 13 years old. So I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. If the audience doesn't know what that book is, it teaches the concept of, of, you know, it talks a lot about real estate, but more than anything, it talks to you about the importance of buying assets, not liabilities, right? And, and taking control of your financial life, being responsible for your finances. And so my little brain started working, right? And I, I had a taste of doing door-to-door -door sales at a very young age, about that time, doing aeration. And I was making 30 bucks an hour versus five bucks an hour when I did aeration or mowing lawns. Mm -hmm. So I really like sales because I can make more with time, right? Even though it was uncomfortable and awkward, I got good at it. Yeah. And so I started like wanting to trade, you know, at that point, like I, I got this entrepreneurial bug to, to make more with less time. And one of the things that I, I thought that I came up with the idea is, okay, when I'm ready to buy a house, I'm going to buy a duplex, rent one side and live in the other. And I mm -hmm. did that, you know, now it's termed as house hacking and it's a very normal thing. So clear back in 2012, I, you know, I was about 20 years old and I bought my first duplex. Mm -hmm. I was living in one side and renting and my monthly payment was like 450 bucks. You know, I yeah. was when the banks were unloading foreclosures after a yeah. late, so I got, I got a steal. You know, I, I wish I knew what I knew now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I, I, I bought that one. I was renting the one side for 750 bucks. I was making extra money, even living and then living for free. Yeah. And then I wanted to buy another one, but they wanted down payments. And I had all these obstacles to buy more rentals. I'm like, gosh, dang it. What do I do? How do I do this? So in listening to podcasts and research, I found out there's a way if you don't, you know, have a rich uncle, you don't have credit, you don't have down payments. There's a way to get started in real estate investing 
without all those things, mm -hmm. with all those barriers, you can still get started. And it's called real estate wholesaling, which is a concept that I go out and find people that want speed and convenience for their property, right? They want a pawn shop for their house for whatever reason. They're, mm -hmm. you know, tired landlords don't want to deal with it anymore. You get that property under contract and you find an end buyer that wants to hold it as a rental or flip it. Right. And then you pass the opportunity on for a fee, right? My biggest assignment fee is $103,000, wow. right? I have wow. multiple students with six figure assignment fees, right? Scott mm -hmm. Dallinger did 113,000. Michaela and Aaron did 115,000. So it's, it's common to get six figures, right? It's not super common. Your average fee should be about 10% of what the property's worth fixed up. So okay. it's worth worth 500,000, you could make about 50 grand on yep. average overall in your market, right? So you're higher inflated markets, you're going to get bigger assignment fees. And yep, yep. yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what I, I, I learned about. And, you know, a lot of mistakes, sure, <laughs> a lot of mistakes trying to figure it out on my own, huge nightmare, huge mistake, became a skeptic, lots of things happened, And then I met a man that changed my life. I met Tom Kroll, doesn't coach anymore. But he, but when he did, he changed a lot of people's lives, mm -hmm. including mine. And he gave me the steps, the outline, and he was available to me to answer questions. Mm -hmm. And the very beginning of 2017, I joined his program and the first eight months of doing wholesaling, I, I made a little over six figures. I'd walked away from window cleaning and I was like, sure. all right, this is where I'm going. And now I make over a million dollars a year doing this. And now yeah. I help students make an absolute fortune doing this as well. So it, it's completely changed my life, dude. It is so much better than what I was doing before. There's so many perks. I mean, I could go on for days for all the benefits of this style of business versus yeah. another one. Yeah. And, and so obviously to do that kind of volume, you had to have systematized that, you know, that process pretty well, correct? I mean, is there, are there any, um, I guess, were there any aha moments, realizations, maybe when, you know, Tom came in and, and saw what you were doing? And, and you were like, well, shit, I never thought of that. I mean, why I, I, I need to do it that way. And, you know, then that kind of was the catalyst to, to get things spinning. Does anything come to mind? Oh, hundred percent. So the, the main thing that Tom taught me the hiccup that I had. So overall, he gave me the steps, right? Building your cash buyers list, the contracts, the title company, and, and overall the process and how it works. But the other thing that I had to hang up on is why would anyone sell a house to me 40, 50 cents on the dollar? Yeah. Like, why would they do that? And if they did, I'm taking advantage of them. Right. Like, so I had this like hang up. Right. And that's why I hadn't really gone for it. I was very skeptic of all the coaches, but Tom, Tom's a different person. Right. Yeah. And he taught me, he said, Zach, we're a pawn shop for houses. Do people yeah. know when they sell something to the pawn shop, do they know the pawn shop's going to make money? Yes, they do, but they don't care. Yeah. Right. Your goal is to find people and explain, Hey, you could make more money. If you fix it up and list it, you'll make way more. I might not be a fit for you. Yeah. And if they say, I don't care, I just want to be done. You say, okay, well, I can help you. I just want you to understand I'm going to make money. Is that okay? Yeah. Once you have those conversations and find the right people, you're actually serving and blessing and helping them. Right. And so that was a big mind shift. And then I got hungry to find more of those people. Mm -hmm. And the first time it happened to me, I was washing windows for a very, very wealthy developer, right? His name was Stan Nielsen. And Stan had these two rental or he had two giant multi-million dollar developments that he was working on, but he also had these two rentals he hadn't collected rents on in four months because a property manager built on it. Okay. Okay. So I got talking to him while I was washing his windows. He's like, yeah, I'll totally sell you my properties. I don't want to deal with them. I'll give them to you at a discount. And I was terrified. I didn't even have contracts at the time. And he wrote it out on a piece of blank white paper and I'm trying to yeah. talk him out of it. Right. Cause I'm terrified. I don't know what the heck I was doing, but I ultimately made over six figures between those two properties. Yeah. 
And that was like, aha, like this dude knew a hundred times more than me. His, he was wealthy beyond I ever imagined I would ever be. Mm-hmm. And it just proved to me that it's possible to do it in a wholesome way. And that was a big barrier for me to overcome is like, can I, can I make money without taking advantage of others? Yeah. Because if, if, if not, I don't want it. Right. Yeah. And so that was something that Tom really helped me with. And, and then the outline and that first year I made, I made six figures, right? The next year I made just shy of a half a million. And the real aha moment for me there was this, that real estate investing, it doesn't matter if you're going to do wholesaling or if you're going to flip houses, or you're going to do giant multi-million dollar, you know, high, high density, you know, apartment complexes like you're doing, like you mentioned, right? Yep. Before we yep. got on the show, your business is not real estate, right? Our business guys is not real estate. It's yeah, marketing. Service. Yeah. It's yeah. marketing. Yeah. You can't do any deals unless you have leads, unless you yeah. have deeply discounted properties. But if you're getting properties at 40, 50, 60 cents on the dollar, you kind of have to be a complete dummy to lose money at that point. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't matter what your strategy is. Yeah. You're going to make money. And so if you can have a system to find and consistently find deeply discounted properties, you're going to make money. Mm-hmm. Right. And what I didn't have with Tom Kroll is a really good marketing system. He's like, oh, go, go find tax delinquent lists, go find, you know, you can buy these lists and market to them evictions. And, you know, you can get some of these public records and reach out and see if they want to sell. And it was working okay, but it was very unpredictable. It was here and there. It wasn't something that I could consistently count on and build Mm -hmm. a business around that marketing strategy gave me. So what I started doing is I, I I noticed that when, when someone had a property, they wanted speed and convenience over price. Yeah. It was because the property is a thorn in their side, whether they inherited the property and they got siblings suing each other and, you know, deathbed wills and like all sorts of problems. Right. And it's an emotional problem. They didn't even give a crap about the or, or they're tired landlords. They don't want to deal with it. Or they went through a nasty divorce and the courts are forcing them to sell and they have deadlines and whatever else. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At those moments, they don't want an agent. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have to find those people. So when they have a property and that's the situation, the property is a thorn in their side. So yeah. if the property is a thorn in their side, they're not going to take care of it. They're going to let, you know, there's going to be deferred maintenance, high grass. There's going to be code violations. There's going to be broken windows with maybe some duct tape on them or board, yeah. or there's going to be peeling paint or shingles that have blown off and a tarp on the roof. Like there's going to be notice of neglect. Right. So I started noticing that with the deals I was doing. It's like, man, like I drive down the street and I'm like, I hadn't even seen the house number. And I'm like, I, guarantee that's it. My pull up is a house. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, like I can physically see the signs of neglect. So I'm like, okay, let's do this. Let's drive through these neighborhoods. I thought I came up with the idea, right? It's called driving for dollars. It's been around for as long as, as another one of those moments of me trying to figure out things the hard way. I'm an idiot, right? Don't do what I do. Learn from other intelligent people. But I, I, I was like, okay, like, let's do this. Let's drive around, write down the addresses. So I started writing down the addresses, pulling up the information on county records. Virtus Technology is a custom business software solution provider. Are you tired of manual entry into an old system that creates more work than it helps? Does your company suffer from constant pain and frustration around its business processes? Do you spend a lot of time and money trying to hunt information down or figure out what is happening in your business? Virtus Technology can help solve all of this. We evaluate your current processes and then create custom software or mobile apps to automate and streamline your business process, eliminating a lot of those pains and frustrations. 
Unlike other systems, our goal is to digitize your current processes and systems so that your staff's learning curve is very small. If you're ready to take your business operations to the next level, give Virtus Technology a call today. And I started, you know, marketing to those lists that I was creating. And I remember I built a list of 70 people is all. It's a very small list. And I made nine grand. I'm like, well, I was like, all right, this is real. This is going to work. So I immediately went out and started recruiting people and did like a dinner and shared what I was doing. And like all these people that wanted to learn, I started sending them out and building lists for me. And I was paying them a percentage of all the deals. And we just, we, we blew up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I actually have a podcast right after this with someone else that came into my life. His name's David Lecco. He owns an app called Deal Machine. Okay. So Deal Machine makes driving for dollars easy. Okay. Right. Okay. It makes us, you don't have to have a large team, you know, driving for dollars in the ancient way, like I was doing it was only for newbies because it was so time consuming. You couldn't sure. automate the process, right? It was yeah. to get your first deal, but not really to scale a business. But with Deal Machine, now you have an, an app, you open the app and it's basically like a Google Maps image, right? And you're driving mm-hmm. through these neighborhoods, identifying these houses with physical signs and neglect, and you touch the house on the Google Maps image. Okay. It's immediately uploading all of the information that I had to go research into oh, wow. an Excel spreadsheet ready to go. Oh, that's, you can that's get amazing. Phone numbers, emails, mailing addresses, um, the property address, the owner's name, all of that stuff. You can see how long they've owned it. You can see if it's corporate, you can see if it's absentee, like it's all of it's beautiful in a spreadsheet ready for you to reach out to them. Yeah. That's so we really put, cool. uh, changed everything, dude. And then on top of that, I started teaching some other people. So my mentor, Tom Kroll had me speak at an event. Long story short, I started helping a few other people. I had set a goal to make a million dollars that next year after I'd done just shy of a half a million. And I read a self-help journal that said I had to give away what I wanted to receive. If I want love, I give love. If I want money, I give money. Cool. So I set a goal of a million dollars. That that meant I had to give away a million bucks. How the hell do I do something that I don't have? How do I do that? But it went in alignment with my core values. I was like, no, this is beautiful. If I could do that, that would be so fulfilling. So I started teaching people that marketing system because, you know, teaching wholesaling the process is not that complicated if you have a lot of leads and can make some mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right. And learn mm-hmm. the negotiation and, the, you know, and learn the process. Once you do your first deal, you really understand it. So I was like, but if I can consistently give leads to p- people, they'll make a lot of money. I was like, yeah. I could easily 10 people put a million dollars in their pockets. Right. So brought on these students, started teaching them. And the more I taught them, the more I realized how crappy my marketing system really was. Okay. <laughs> like, and, and how many mistakes I was making. So exactly what that, that the promise of that book was, whatever you give, you receive. So every time I taught someone something, they would ask me questions that I had never even thought about. I'm going to tell you just one mistake I was making that cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars that a student helped me find. So he said, Zach, when I send my postcards to this driving for dollars list, we have a tracking number like that's unique so we can see how many calls we got and and it'll forward to our phones or to our CRMs. Right. And he's Mm -hmm. like, how do we know that we're getting our text messages? I can't get the text messages to forward to our CRM. And, And I'm like, oh. I've never received a text message. (laughs) I'm like, oh no. And I realized that I had almost over a year of of text messages that and leads that I had never even worked. Wow. I was able to salvage a bunch of them and make it make over a hundred thousand dollars, but I know I lost well over a hundred. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's incredible. 
which was painful, but it was awesome at the same time because yeah. I was perfecting my system. And the more I taught, the more I learned, and the more I served my students, the more I came back to me in my own wholesaling business. And the more fulfillment that I got from it, the more that I felt like I was living a purposeful life. And it wasn't just about me making money. It was about making other people money. And I fell in love with coaching. So I'm like, mm -hmm. shit, now I love coaching more. And I love real estate. Like now I've got to automate my wholesaling business completely so I can spend all my time serving, right. Mm -hmm. And helping students. And so then it forced me to hire coaches and learn how to automate processes and put people in charge of my business and be able to just look at the finances for two, three hours a week and have a business that pays me well over $300,000, $400,000 a year passively. Yeah. And so I, I went through that journey and everything else at the same time, I'm helping other people do the same. And it has been, it has been the most fulfilling journey that I ever imagined that I would have because of meeting my mentor, Tom Kroll. You no, know, I love it. I love it. It's amazing. And it's, and, and I mean, there's so many, there are so many nuggets in there. I mean, everything from, you know, hiring a mentor and, and, you know, you mentioned your core values that you've gone through and established what your core values are. So you, you know, you can understand, you know, this is what drives me. This is what motivates me. And, and, you know, you probably use that to help attract other people, you know, when you're 100%. looking for people to help, you know, in your business, you know, you can use that to, to attract other people that are, you know, like you. And that's, that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily go through and do. They, they figure out, you know, core values. We don't need, you know, we don't need that. That's, uh, you know, just an exercise that's not going to do anything, but it really makes a huge, huge difference. So, so that's fantastic that you, uh, you know, that you've gone through and, and uh, have done all of that. I'm so glad you identified that. Most people, like you said, think it's just an exercise mm -hmm. that, yeah. that it's a waste of time. It's not. One of the first filters when I look at candidates to work with me for me is the core values. Mm -hmm. So some of my core values obviously is in high integrity. We do the right thing no matter what. Another yeah. one is no excuses, right? We change ourselves to change our outcomes. Yeah. Another one is, you know, uh, self-improvement. We're always improving ourselves to help the team overcome our challenges, yeah. right? And, and so we have some of these core values. So whenever I do a, a preliminary like interview or, or prep to see if it's worth a full interview, I ask a series of questions around that. Like, what are some of the, you know, what's your position and what mm -hmm. training or education have you done that was not required by your job in the last 12 months? Mm -hmm. If there's no books, no nothing, it's like they're not invested into yeah. themselves. Yeah. That's not a, they're, they're not a core value fit. If I ask them, you know, what are some of the goals that you did not accomplish over the last two years and what was the reason for it? Right. And if it's just excuses, just blaming. And if they're like, well, this and this happened, mm -hmm. I realized I made this mistake. These are some of the things that we did and that I didn't do right. But I feel like if I had done this different, this would have been a different yeah. outcome. It's yeah. like, okay, that's fine. So, you are not yeah. always going to hit all of our goals, but it's one thing to take ownership for the failure and yeah. learn than it is to blame and be a victim. Right. So, so yes, core values are 100% the first, first filter that we use to recruit people into our companies. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. I love it. And and you did a really interesting experiment to, as well. I believe you said it was down in Tampa where you you went and uh, you had a, a goal that you basically you know publicized and and you went through this whole process. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So one of the things that I've been dealing with as a mentor and a coach, there's a lot of mentors and coaches out there that are just selling information just to have another source of revenue, but they're not like actually there to make a difference and actually make their students money. 
right? And so there's a lot of skeptics of mentors and coaches and, and gurus, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's like, yeah, I, I get it. I was that person. <laughs> you yeah. know, I was yeah. 100% that person until I met Tom Kroll. And I was like, you know, what really changed my perspective? What really made me believe? And it's like, you know what? What made me a believer was not so much who Tom Kroll was or, or, or anything else other than I saw it happen real time. I met Stan Nelson. I was washing his windows. A very wealthy person didn't want to deal with his properties. I made over six figures. It's like, if that doesn't make you a believer, nothing will. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, why don't I, you know, I, I really felt like that was a gift. I really felt like it was a gift from God. And I wanted to give that gift to others. So I was up super late one night because I was, I was dealing with this problem. I was dealing with this problem of how do I show people that they can do it, that I'm no one different. Yes. I have a, a work ethic, but that's not unique to me. Right. Right. Like right. If, if people that have a work ethic can believe in themselves and do the hard work, they will be successful in this business. How do I show them that? Like, how do I help them believe in themselves? Because if you don't start with a massive amount of belief, you're not going to push through those barriers and those obstacles. And if you don't push through, you're not going to have success. And then you'd be like, see, I knew I couldn't do it. And you're going to spiral downwards and you're yeah. going to give up. Yeah. Right. But it's the opposite. It's true. If you believe 100% you can do it and you go for it and you give 110%, you're going to get results that match your efforts. Mm -hmm. And if you get mm -hmm. those results, you'd be like, yeah, I knew I could do it. And you're going to get more and more confidence and you're going to continue to, to, to excel and propel forward in your journey as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, how do I give that gift? How do I give that gift of belief of confidence that they can do it? Right. That I'm no one special. So I was like, I was like, what do I do? And I, it was seriously like three in the morning. And I, I had watched uh, a show, show like six months before. It's called Undercover Billionaire. Mm -hmm. So I watched the first season. I think there's a second, second season. I haven't watched it. I think it's uh, Stearns. Is it Frank Stearns, the billionaire, the first one? I'm not sure. I don't remember. Not, uh, not anyways, sure. it does. You guys can look it up. I'm pretty sure his last name is Stearns. Um, so his goal to, was to show us, the American people, that the American dream is alive and well, mm -hmm. right? That we could have financial success regardless of where we're starting. And I loved it. I love it because I'm 100% on board with him. Mm -hmm. And what, what his challenge was, was to take a $100 bill, a smartphone, an old beat up truck, and he was going to fly in on his private jet, change his name, change his clothes. And his goal was to build a million dollar company that was evaluated by a third party in 90 days. Wow. Okay. So this billionaire sleeping in his truck, eating ramen noodles from the gas station, cleaning toilets, hustling his ass off to build this business. I'm like, mm -hmm. this guy is my freaking hero. I hope <laughs> I get to shake his hand one day. Maybe yeah. he's listening to this podcast, right? Who knows? But I was like, man, that is beautiful. Like, I want to do something similar because if I can show people like I was shown mm -hmm. from Stan Nielsen, like this, that this can be done, they'll have the confidence and they'll get that gift and propel them forward. So I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm not going to do anything as crazy. I'm yeah. not going to go be homeless. That's not going to happen. <laughs> and, and real quick, I, I'd love, I love that you are focusing all around the confidence and, and building the confidence in people, because that is, that is so, so important. Again, I mean, I'm sure you probably experienced it. I experienced it when I, when you was first starting out, like afraid to cold call someone, afraid to get on the phone, afraid to talk to anyone. And now it's like, oh, that's, you know, no big deal. Let's just go and go and talk to them. And just having that confidence 
knowing that you can do it is, is, you know, just incredible. So I love that you, you keep referring back to confidence in this story. So, so I just yeah. wanted to interject that, but yeah, continue on. Well, no, well, that, well, the thing is, is I didn't know what I was doing when I started being a coach, mm -hmm. but I started as a coach with the goal of changing lives of putting money in people's pockets, not about making money as a coach, but putting, you know, my goal is a million dollars in my students' pockets. So when that was my goal, I got really good at identifying what made people fail. Mm-hmm. And diving into what their failures were. And it was so, so common. The number one theme was they didn't believe, they didn't have faith, they gave up, they lost confidence, they got distracted, whatever it was, they didn't have that, that conviction, right? So yeah, that was, that was something that I wanted to overcome, not just for my audience that watches me on YouTube and my podcast and all that, but I wanted to do it for my existing students, mm -hmm. right? I wanted them to be like, wow, like he can do it, I can do it. So the goal for me, I was going to fly to Tampa. My family was going to be in Sao Paulo, Brazil, where my wife's from for the first 30 days. And then they were going to fly back and be with me the last 10 days. I mean, I was major, making major sacrifices to not be with my two beautiful children, my wife for 30 days. I was going to give it all I had. I was going to work from the time I woke up to the time I went to bed for 40 days straight. And mm -hmm. I, I had done that before in my life and I never wanted to do it again, but I was going to do it for you guys, you know, for the mm -hmm. people that wanted to see this content and uh, prepared myself put everything else on hold. And I, the only thing that I still had to do while I was doing that challenge was to serve my students, my wholesaling business and everything was automated with people in place to manage and, and take care of it. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to take a thousand bucks. I'm going to get an Airbnb. I'm going to get a car and my smartphone. And the goal is to turn that thousand dollars into 40 grand in just 40 days. Mm -hmm. The reason I chose $40,000 is that's the average American income, right? Uh -huh. But Ultimately, how much money I made was somewhat irrelevant to me. Mm -hmm. Overall, my goal was to give the gift and at least find one motivated seller and make a big chunk of change and show the process and show what it takes. Right? That's all I prayed for. Mm -hmm. And day four of the challenge, I got extremely emotional because I feel like God answered my prayers and everything that I had asked for happened. I met a guy named Jerry, super wealthy real estate investor, you know, just told me all of his stories of how he willed and dealed and made all of his money and how he had found all of his rentals. And he had three properties he didn't want to deal with and come to find out he was dying of cancer. And uh, his wife was more than capable to take care of the properties. They had a bunch of them, but there was three that were really far and not in the best neighborhoods. And he didn't, he wanted to be at peace that she didn't have to deal with those. Yeah. I was like, well, Jerry, they're in really good shape. You could just list them and make more money. Like, why are you working with me? He said, I don't care. And you can see that in the, in the video. He says, I don't care. I just want to be done. Mm -hmm. We built a, a great relationship. I even had him on my podcast after the show. I shared with him the mission that I had and how I wanted to help and inspire other people. And I was so grateful that I had met him because him and his story would live on through the content that I was creating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we cried and hugged. It was, it was a beautiful, beautiful experience. But overall on that challenge, I blew my goals out of the water. Mm -hmm. I never imagined that I would have the success that I had. I was hoping I'd get one contract, honestly, you know, and I thought my average deal would be 20 grand. It's yeah. like, man, if I get lucky, I'll get two and accomplish my goals. I got seven contracts, everybody. I was wow. blown away and I only got 30 days because when my wife was flying home from Brazil, she had to test for COVID. She tested positive. Yeah. And that was during, you know, a lot of the quarantine stuff and we didn't know really the risks and what might happen. So I grabbed my passport and jumped on a plane to Brazil in the last 10 days. I just was doing, you know, I got two more contracts while I was there the last yeah. 10 days, two of the, two of the seven. And uh, my father-in-law was hospitalized. 
you know, we got stuck in Brazil for over a month after that, but it was, uh, it was an incredible experience, you know, and I documented it day by day, you know, had a film guy following me everywhere, which was a pain in my butt. I wanted just to work. And he's like, hold on, we got to get this angle. And I was yeah. like, oh, I just want to work. You know, I was going to, um, I was going to ask how you, how you manage that. Like if it was, you know, setting up your GoPro as you're, you know, as you're, uh, you're having these conversations, but that's cool that you, you had a, a film guy there too. Yeah. Yeah. His job was to, uh, do his best to make me look good. I, I definitely gave him a run for his money. I yeah. believe. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's what I did. And I, and I have the content for everyone to watch for free. I'm not asking for any money. I want to give it as a gift to everyone. You know, if a lot of you listening, you know, if you're entrepreneurs, you understand the power of holding money in real estate. And, and the reason I picked wholesaling to start one of the main benefits is I wanted to be able to source deeply discounted deals. I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I wanted to have different businesses and stuff, but I needed a place to hold my money. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you go to the MLS, multiple listing services and pay full price for a listing, it's going to be really tough to make a lot of money. It's like having a 401k or buying stocks at the retail value. Yeah. You know, it's way better to buy a company and help build it a little bit and then take it public, yeah. right? That's yeah. when you make your money. And that's essentially what you're doing when you do wholesaling, you're sourcing deeply discounted properties for investors. So what I tell my students is you cherry pick the best and you sell the rest, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. I can very often increase my net worth. I mean, I can give you an example. I picked up five rentals this year and I increased my net worth over $700,000, mm -hmm. yep. right? Just by purchasing them. Yep. It's insane, right? Because I get so much equity on purchase. And then plus real estate, honestly, is the best asset to hold your wealth because of all the tax benefits, Yeah, right? The, the, the ability to sell it and turn it into another investment without having to pay taxes on the gains. Like yeah. that's just one of the perks. There's so many. And so for me, when I was doing all my research on, you know, how to hold my wealth, how to grow wealth, you know, real estate was the key, but how to get into it was the barrier and wholesaling mm -hmm. was was that sledgehammer that was going to break down all the walls. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Are, are you, are, do you have any plans to get involved in any other um, real estate uh, deals or, or, you know, I guess uh, verticals, or are you going to uh, stick with, with wholesaling for right now? You know, I told my wife, I said, you know, babe, these are my plans over the next five years. And I got these exits planned and then we're going to have all this free time. And she said, BS, <laughs> you know, you're never going to stop. And you know, I don't necessarily have immediate plans for any different types of real estate investing. One of my main focuses over the next seven years is giving back. Yeah. My main yeah. focus right now is my coaching business. My main focus is my YouTube channel, my podcast, and empowering other leaders and mm -hmm. finding other coaches and finding other people that I can empower and teach them how to be better coaches and to help them grow so that they can make it a bigger impact. Right. Yeah. Like my focus right now is not making more money. I have more than I ever imagined. Mm -hmm. You know, I could have retired, essentially worked a couple hours a week and have my automated wholesaling business that generates more money and I can spend and drink pina coladas on the beach, I guess, but I don't want to. Yeah. I find fulfillment when I challenge myself. And more than anything, I find fulfillment when I help challenge others and help people reach their potential. Mm -hmm. Um so that's my priority right now. What my priority will be in two, three years, well, uh, that might change, right? Yeah. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. Yep. And that will, I, I assume, will continue to evolve. I love it, Zach. This is, you've got a great story, great 
you know, great work ethic, great. I, I mean, I, I just love your mindset. I love the way that you've approached everything. So this has been a lot of fun and, and I think you've provided a lot of value and, and I can't wait to be able to check out that, that YouTube video too, with, uh, you know, how you, how you did that in 40 days. Yeah. Really, really impressive stuff. So uh, if people wanted to learn more about you or, or what you're up to, what would be the best way to reach out and get in touch? Yeah. To get access to that 40 day challenge, guys, if you guys want to watch it, go to DFD stands for driving for dollars, dfdmastery.com forward slash 40 in 40. So that's the best place to catch that content. And then if you guys want to follow me, you can search Zach Booth, Z-A-C-K, last name's Booth, B-O-O-T-H-E. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and uh, I think, the, oh, and, and my podcast, Driving for Dollars Mastery is my podcast. Love it. I love it. Zach, congratulations on everything. And uh, I, uh, I look forward to hearing from you again in the future. This, is, this has been a lot of fun. So well, thanks for having job. me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And remember... Pass the secret sauce.